You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. He's five foot two and he's six feet four. He fights with missiles and with spears. He's all of 31 and he's only 17. He's been a soldier for a thousand years. He's a Catholic, a Hindu, an atheist, a Jain, a Buddhist and a Baptist and a Jew. Welcome. To Axe to Grind, a hardcore podcast that's only going to be tangentially hardcore today. Uh, I'm Patrick. I'm Bob. And I'm Tom. And I think you guys can probably uh, guess the vibe. Uh, the United States is uh, fucked at the moment, and uh, there's a lot of stuff to care about. That doesn't mean that you don't need some type of entertainment. I'm not having that conversation. Go watch your fucking anime if you want to. It's got nothing to do with anything. It's just... We thought it would be particularly tone deaf if if we were n- doing our normal glib fucking smiling bullshit uh, in the in the face of like a very serious thing. So not not to like take your escapism here and make it too real world, but I don't think we'd be doing the hardcore community, so to speak, any favors if we didn't address the fire outside of our house. So yeah. uh, that's going to be this episode. We're going to be highlighting the fact that there's a, a lot of, of hardcore bands and not hardcore bands, to be frank, doing a lot of good things at this moment. So uh, I am a guy who cannot go a full 10 minutes without getting himself in trouble. So I'm going to put, I'm going to put this microphone down for a moment and let Tom talk. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, the United States of America are on fire. Um, we are under siege by um, peop- some, you know, folks that were voted in to power by some folks that we don't necessarily agree with. Um, and I think um, it's it's really it's it's a terrible terrible time. And like I've had conversations with friends of mine that live you know in Ireland and other places, and like like what the fuck does this look like? Tell the people, you know what I mean? We see this and it doesn't seem real. You know, when you see it in, you know, in Greece or in Egypt, like it just is like, I, you know, but like when you see it happening, when you're like, yo, I know that corner. I know that store. Like I know where this happened. And like, it makes it so much more, um, so much more tangible. And it, it makes it so much more kind of, real i guess and i think you know we would be remiss without talking about you know miss taylor in louisville and mr floyd in minnesota and just the absolute fucking craziness that um that you know cost these two folks their lives to to you know living just like anybody else and and kind of to deal with the like the absolute fucking militarization of police you know and and kind of seeing um, how much it hurts, you know, people that I care about, people that I love, people that are in our scene, people that are that I'll never meet, and just kind of seeing their everyone's stories and kind of stuff. And the one kind of, I mean, if there's a 
fucking light in the darkness, but I don't know if there is. But I think the one thing that kind of heartened me was seeing like hardcore and punk kids like stepping up like they do more often than not. And I think um, hardcore doesn't always get the and punk is, but you know, doesn't always get the 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 you know the praise it deserves. I think you know we always you know on the podcast we always talk about hardcore and punk kids being like we're always in the forefront of something whether it be social media whether it be whatever it is technology punk and hardcore kids for some reason we're always the first i don't know how it works you know early adapters for sure yeah you know and i think you know just to see whether it be bands that are you know donating test presses whether it be fucking bands that are doing low you know limited shirts to to donate money to different causes and you know, whether it be like Black Lives Matter or or the different bail funds around the country, you know, labels, you know, all of, you know, all the sponsors for us have done incredible things so far, you know, and kind of putting their money where their mouth is and donating money from their streaming, from their band camps, from this, from that, from their merch stores. It's like, you know, seeing that and then really, and this is kind of what to me where social media really is, is a positive thing, seeing all of our friends and all of our fucking family and hardcore like out there doing the, you know, like, and really kind of pressing forward, you know what I mean? Whether it be in Richmond or in New York or in fucking, you know, Louisville, you know what I mean? We see you guys, you know, like those dudes proved themselves, you know what I mean? Out in California and Seattle and Portland, like everywhere. It's like, you know, it's, to see everyone kind of really raise up and it's not, you know, it's not, um, it's, it's, it's a pretty dividing line. It's you're either racist or you're not. And, you know, and it's all of us against the fucking racist, you know what I mean? And I think no matter what you made, you know, and, and no matter what you think about financial things, whether it be about your fucking taxes, about your, you know what I mean? That's all out used to be able to make an argument that like, oh, well, you know, my dad's a Republican because he believes like, you know, you shouldn't have to pay taxes or you should have to do this. That's done. There's, there's, you don't want to be on the wrong side of fucking history. Yeah. And I, and I think with, you know, what's going on now, like, fuck your taxes. Like you, ha- we have somebody that's in charge, hopefully for a few more months or less because, I mean, I went to school for psychology. If I've ever seen someone who should have the 25th Amendment called on them, I, I you know. Yeah. There's sure. no one more appropriate for that at this point. Um, but just to kind of see, you know, all these folks like coming together, like, you know, I, we would, we would, if we couldn't, bear, we tried to compile a list. Let's put it that way. Um, earlier this week, we we're kind of like, hey, you know, what's going, there's so much stuff going on in punk and hardcore to support what's happening in a positive way, it's almost impossible to compile. And like, that's a fucking pretty good problem to have. 100%. You know, um, sorry, Bob, I was was a bit on a soapbox. So if you'd like, no, 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 no. I want to let you go. Um, No, it's a great problem to have. And um, we, we would direct everyone to, if you're not someone who uses social media um, or, you know, doesn't always have time for it. Um, if you're, if you're curious about what we're talking about, please go take a look. This is a good time to check in on that because we know there are people who listen to our podcasts who, who 
don't don't really do the social media thing. Um, dig around. I'm certain that some of your favorite bands, certainly some of our favorite bands, are doing really cool cause related things. The money is going to uh, great resources across the country. Um, and that's a really, um, it's a really enriching and rewarding thing. You know, we try to give a little bit more on the positive side here because, you know, I think in the intro, Patrick put it very well. Um, we're, we're lighthearted. We try to talk about stuff that, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily matter what the, um, tiers of New York hardcore fans are. Though in my head, I see the the man sitting in the stands going, it's still real to me, damn it, you know? Um, well, I don't know. After some of the pictures I've seen, those tears have gotten a little jostled. <laughs> right, right. Um, so it's um, – but we're not – we're not in the, the – the, we're not really in the mood, but more so we're more in the, the, the headspace – to say this isn't the time for that. Um, throughout the COVID-19 and coronavirus stuff, uh, we've been really excited. I, I would borderline say proud of our ability to provide people with um, a welcome distraction from that. Uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback from people that we end up being a part of their lives, and that's such a cool thing. Like, it's it's crazy for a bunch, for three very weird humans <laughs> um, to, to be in your, your ears for this many hours. Uh, I don't know how healthy that is, but... But we hope that it's been positive for you. So we've we've looked at it as saying, hey, we're we're a healthy distraction, right? We're we're providing something, you know, and we haven't ignored coronavirus. We haven't ignored the impact. We've talked about it uh, at length and more so tried to hit it in in blanching kind of glances. But we've been happy to kind of talk about hardcore and this and that to just be something else because it's so overwhelming. This moment might feel overwhelming too, but what we're hoping to reiterate is that this is not something we want to distract from. Exactly. Perfectly said. We don't want to distract you from what you're seeing. We want you to focus in on it, think about it, how it impacts you, how it impacts the people around you, how it impacts people who aren't around you, um, why those people who aren't around you aren't around you. Um, these are all really important things. Um, I think <clears throat> be curious, look around, see the different forms of media that are out there, examine them for yourselves. Uh, look at the resources that are out there even more. Um, this country has been a pretty twisted place for a long time. And, uh, to me, the, one of my biggest problems with the Trump campaign and Trump regime um, and the rise of fascism in America is, is this make America great, concept, make America great again concept. Because there have been times to me that America was great and it was times of great creativity and great thought and great cultural experiences and, and all of these different milieus um, and I think that my concept of that is completely different from the concept that that the Trump camp would have, the Make America Great Again. Because to them, I think that racial oppression and class warfare and, and uh, state control 
are, are their picture of a great America. And to me, the things that they purport as being great are the ugliest pieces of America. And it's, it's really sad to me. Um, I, I think it betrays a lot of good people um, that this idea of America and American exceptionalism is, is, is still out there because, yo, we all need to look hard in the mirror at what's going on and what's been going on for hundreds of years. But, but let's look at the modern period and see that things just aren't right. So, you know, I, I'm now on my soapbox, but my last point is this. Um, there's a lot of things that we'd love to talk about, but now's not the time for it. And we will talk about it because we don't want this conversation to distract from the awful murder of George Floyd, the killing of lots of other unarmed black people <laughs> across this country, uh, seemingly senselessly. Um, and that we need to re-examine what our definitions of, um, of America are, what, what we think this country is, what we think police are. Um, I think that the law enforcement system of this country has been using this term serve and protect as a smokescreen for an awful lot of time. And um, what they are is they're not here. They're not servants to serve and protect. Their job is to enforce law. And theoretically, those laws are supposed to serve and protect. The laws are supposed to serve and protect. And then the the police force is here to enforce those laws. (laughs) But I think we all would acknowledge that those laws were written for to serve some people and protect some people. And everyone knows who that is. And it's just a really ugly thing. And we need to really reflect on that. Everyone individually, collectively, and have conversations about it. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's a big part. There needs to be reform across the board. You know what I mean? I can't tell you at work how many clients that we've had that have come through. It's like, you know, them going to jail for hopping a fucking turnstile. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Fucking turnstile? You know what I mean? Like, stealing a fucking Metro card is enough to send somebody to jail? Like, that's fucking crazy to me. And I think, you know, it's the, the, the laws are lopsided for certain folks, you know, yeah. against black people, against Latin, Hispanic people. Like, it just, it's yeah. bullshit. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, one of the big things, well, two things, if I may, if I may. Please, go, back, go, go, go. Two things that I found incredibly, um, I, I found pretty interesting. Um, just kind of going crazy and just reading everything. Um, past couple of days. I think one of the big things I can't, I feel bad now. I can't think of the person, the man who was saying this. Um, but um, if I can find it out, I'll, I'll, we can put it in the notes. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, sure. But he was saying like one of the big things that they're looking to implement, he's an African-American dude from Brooklyn, of course, because Brooklyn's the best. Um, he's saying that like, you know, cops are able to do this stuff kind of with no repercussions legally, as we've seen, but even, you know, so, you know, a lot, there's a lot of settlements out of court. Right. When a cop right. decides to beat the shit out of somebody, right? Who's paying for that? The taxpayers. There's no – his idea, which I thought was pretty fucking brilliant, was to like those, those settlements come out of the pension. 
Oh, yeah. yeah, and yeah. Be, you know what I mean? Are you going to be so likely to stand Adley by when that dude is costing you, you know, every fucking hit on a, on a person of color's back is costing you 10 grand? Right. You're going to fucking step in when it's your money. Right. Number one. And number two, I was having this conversation with my old mom, you know, mm-hmm. and she's 100% on board, you know what I mean? And she, you know, kind of, same kind of thing. It's like, yeah, but I feel so bad about like, you know, it, it, you know, she didn't, her thought was like, you don't want the riots to kind of take away from the message and blah, 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 you know? And I was like, mom, you know, Colin Kaepernick had a peaceful protest. No one paid attention. People called him son, son of a bitch and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And I was like, lest I remind you of the our Irish people's, you know, yeah. history. The only thing when shit started happening and was there was a fucking uprising. Yep. And stuff had to get burned and stuff had to happen for this shit to really kind of for real change to happen, you know. And I think, you know, the one thing that she brought up, and I mean obviously it was a different time. Of course. Um, but like so she was like the whole thing that, you know, in Brooklyn especially, they changed the laws and I don't know why, but I mean I probably couldn't guess. Which is the huge problem, and I was talking to Brian about this too. It's sort of you used to be the policeman, the cop where you lived, right? Right. You know what I mean? So you would walk around. So you're inherently part of the community, and they'd be like, "Bob, how you doing?" Like everyone would know you. So that fear was taken out of the fucking equation on both sides, right? You know, like my mom would tell you story, like telling me a story about like she named some I forget. Some invariably some Irish cop that was like the beat the beat cop in her neighborhood in Sunset Park in Brooklyn, right? Right. And like he, you know, she's like all all of our friends when we were teenagers, we'd be betting outside, like literally, like playing cards for money. Yeah, completely illegal. But that dude didn't want to fucking bust balls. So what he would do, he would hit the building with his stick. Oh, like drag it along so they knew he was like coming before he got around the corner, kind of like put it away. He would turn, come around the corner. Everyone would be like, "Hey, buddy!" And because what? I mean, in reality, what crime are they are they committing? Right. None, right? You know what I mean. And I think you know, kind of. I understand the call for like kind of the the sort of you know police going away forever. And I, you know, there's, I'm reading this book now called "End of Policing," which is, right. um, it's it's on like I think it's Verso.com. Um, it's if you have an e-reader, you can um, download it for free. Just really like fascinating stuff, and like you know what things can actually you know. I mean, you know there were t- there were stats that like when when the cops went on strike, crime went down. Right, like actually went down, not just because there was no neighbor, like like stuff just stopped happening. You know, and I think. There just needs to be reform in terms of like transparency. You know, you can't know what the co- what happened to that cop who did X, Y, and Z. Dior, yeah, brother, sister, cousin, mother, father. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge part of what really, really needs to happen. And people need to fucking do time. Like you, yeah. just because you know, if if it's something you would have gotten arrested for as a fucking civilian, you need to get arrested for it as a fucking police officer. You know, you, what I mean? would almost, you would think that the responsibility threshold would be higher when you're the person enforcing the rules if you break a rule. But uh, time and again, we've seen that not to be the truth. Um, right. And it's the education and the training. Like someone was like, yo, you have to like go to law school for like five years to become a lawyer. You go to like two months of police training and you're a cop. 
Right. Like that's fucking crazy. Like I even see that like with the 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 different training and they they're kind of changing. Like so, if we have a client that comes to the office that is like psychotic, right, and very not well, and needs to be hospitalized, right, and and they're kind of a threat. Like they're threatening suicide. They're threatening to hurt somebody. Like we have to call EMS on them. Invariably, the cops show up first. Right. And now we have to manage uh, that client who's not doing well with the other clients in the office that are shitting their pants because a cop showed up. And it's not a cop. It's four, five, six by the time the ambulance comes. But now they're sort of at least trying. I mean, I don't know how well it's going so far, but like there's like social workers embedded with these teams and like professionals that know more about you know, working with people that have mental health issues and not, you know, not some guy who went to like fucking, there's no offense to anybody, but like you went, you got 60 credits at community college and now you're in charge of something that could take, you know, eight lives in about 10 seconds. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's a fucking, you know, it's a lot of, of, um, responsibility to put on people that are are either not, ready for it, not willing to accept it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, and and I look at folks that are like, I joined because I want it to be like the change. And then you just get fucking pulled up into that bullshit, the fucking thin blue line and all the stuff. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's there's something that happens. And uh, I mean, we plan to, so I think it's safe to say, and we're going to get Patrick in here. Um, but but I think it's safe to say one of the big points of this uh, a somewhat abbreviated episode is this isn't a conversation we want to just be like, hey, by the way, this is happening. Here's the one drop in. Tip, tip, boop, boop. Um, we kind of want to continue some of these conversations. They feel uh, both oddly relevant to hardcore and the the kind of continuous conversation that's been happening. Um within hardcore and punk music uh, since it started, um, obviously of the time and, and more so um, important to have the conversation as uh, the makeup of hardcore, you know, like we are three white dudes um, and that's not that weird in hardcore. Uh, but having these kind of conversations is worthwhile to everyone, uh, hopefully. And it's really worthwhile to us and we want to get some different voices in but so we're going to continue these conversations and and give some nuance to some of these ideas that we think should have nuance but maybe now's not right the time to dive hard on some of that odd ins and outs because these are both very simple and easy things right like it is simple black people right black people are not treated the same or treated well by the law enforcement arm of our country and quite honestly a lot of other systems in our country just outright and that's not right and i think i was listening to a a sports podcast and they tried to delicately address this and it did a so-so job but one of the things that one of the guys said was that he you know he was a little bit older than us but he was like you know i feel like our generation did a bad job of handling this. And I think our parents' generation didn't do a great job of, of keeping this in the crosshairs either. And 
the one thing that this guy who was, you know, kind of a get off my lawn type of dude, generally speaking, but he, he was like, you know, I, I think for a lot of younger people, they're doing a great job of saying, no, we're not going to let this slide. And uh, we would like to keep that energy more so than anything else, you know, because it's important. Um, Patrick. Yes. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> uh, talk a little bit. Tell us, tell us uh, some of your more, I mean, some of this stuff is painfully obvious, right? Like it's, it's almost hard to talk about because it's like, duh. Clearly, yeah, but yeah, listen, I, I'll uh, I, I want to say firstly that um, I don't. Th- you guys read the emails, I don't, but I presume that no ardent racists have written us. Is that true? No, even when we've asked for people who are, we made a call out for if there were any Trump listeners in our audience, Trump fan listeners, and not not members of the Trump family, um, but but. <laughs> But we got no emails, no messages from anyone. So, okay. uh, we're, but they're not owning up. But yeah, maybe. That's, that's, and if you are, like, like that is an open call because we want to hear from different people, even if we think you're a dumbass. But you know. Well, here's the reason I ask is because uh, <clears throat> I don't presume that we have too many uh, militant racists in our listenership, but I do assume that there is uh, a wide variety of things that strike people's uh, uh, that strike a chord with people and, and matter to people. And there's, it's entirely possible that we have some listeners who uh, might abstractly understand uh, the, the, they might understand that George Floyd was a man and therefore it needed the dignity to not be killed in the street, but they don't necessarily understand uh, they don't have a relationship with black people. Let me put it like that, okay? And I, I don't think that that's impossible. So I want to appeal to everybody at this time by making it clear that this applies to everybody. And what I mean by that is, like, let's say that you have no standing relationship with black people. You went to high school with two black people. They weren't your fucking friends. You just knew them. You uh, started your job in a small town where you got one Mexican friend, but that's about as dark as it's getting. And your life is largely unaffected by the problems of black people. Okay. I fully, I pass through this country multiple times a year in full. So I understand that you exist. uh, And I don't think that where you live is a crime. So, but let me make this clear to you that if you do not have black friends, if you do not know black people, uh, yes, it would behoove you as a human being to understand that these people are, are entitled to their rights. But I want to make it clear how this now affects you directly. Uh, So a militarized police force uh, it, it, under Trump, essentially, in in other in no uncertain terms, although different words, threatening martial law is of grave concern to anyone who anyone in the sound of my fucking voice. It no longer matters what color you are or what uh, sympathies you have or compassion you might have in your heart. It no longer fucking matters. It applies to you very directly because your rights are being stripped of you, very directly. So. Uh, your your freedom of peaceful peaceable assembly was just compromised today, and that should matter to you if you are like a gun toting uh, constitutional uh, literalist. If that is you, then 
you should fucking take arms today because your rights were just compromised. The ones that you value that were enshrined in your constitution were compromised today. So uh, I I just want to make it clear that if we have a plurality in our listenership, people with all sorts of different experiences, uh, again, maybe everyone in the sound of my voice abstractly understands that human (laughs) beings deserve dignity and rights, but maybe it doesn't affect them. So they're able to go through their day. I'm trying to tell you now that it definitely directly affects you. Uh, Next up, I want to talk about why. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But see, here's the thing. No, here's no, the thing. I, I don't think I don't think you need to be woke to have the position that your rights are sacrosanct. I think you can be an no, ignorant no, piece of shit. And, and, uh, so, it, 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 next up is. Uh, I'm hearing, I'm seeing a lot of silence equals violence. You're comp- you, you are complicit if you're not speaking out. Okay. Uh, I'd like to address that right now. Um, this, that notion uh, clashes with the other notion of, hey, this isn't your story to tell. Perhaps let black people do their fucking thing right now and be the people that are talking. So those two things can be in grave contrast. And I can understand where somebody would be confused by that. I also think that here's an important thing to remember. Here's why I'm not being particularly vocal on social media at this moment. A, it's because I have three podcasts and I can explain things in greater detail. B, it's because here's what I witnessed the last couple of days. There's an incredibly serious thing happening and I take it very seriously so if I open myself, if I just have some heterodox fucking take on the situation that invites criticism, that invites scrutiny and internet bullshit, I'm fine with that. But the moment is serious enough that I feel like I'm taking something away from the focus if I make it about me. And I would like those of you who jumped to the idea that anybody not offering their opinion at this moment is somehow a sneaky white supremacist or some shit to consider, to consider the fact that firstly, there's a great many people who are doing a great many things behind the scenes. And secondly, more to my point is, yo, I've never been able to get a thing out of my mouth without it being controversial in some way and have some idiot fucking fight with me. And when something is as serious as this immediate fucking problem, I don't see any purpose in like, I'm going to, I'm going to scold some people right now. Again, don't lose the plot. This isn't about making it about you. I forgive you. If you devoted more than 30 seconds to Toby Morris this week, you're fucking it up. You're fucking up. There's a serious thing happening. I don't need to be reading about your fucking problems with Toby Morris. You understand? So is this serious? If it is, then drop the bullshit and focus on the serious thing. This is like, you know, I don't get like hella serious about much, but if this is like, if this is as serious as I believe it to be, and as many of you say it is to you, then act accordingly. Don't do the weird, Hey, Somebody said something that makes me mad. I'm going to spend this day pillorying them instead of focusing on the fucking thing that you said was the most important thing in the world just moments before. So 
I want everybody, if this is a serious matter to you, then don't just spend your time condemning other people for saying the wrong thing or for fucking uh, not saying it enough or whatever. Focus on the fucking thing, my dude. And that's why, like, uh, again, by saying this, I've opened myself up to criticism, but I want you to, I want to be clear. I'm happy to argue with you after this. I'm happy for you to say whatever fucking bullshit you want about me. It's fine. I get canceled three times a year as it is. I'm just suggesting this is an important moment. Keep your eye on the prize. So what can I respond? <laughs> yeah, you, go ahead. Go for it. Go talk. We're doing uh, Skip Bayless versus uh, who's on the show, Skip Bayless? Who knows at this point? Not I don't even know. It's pushing around. Yeah. Well, I get Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp. Who is it? Shannon Sharp. That's right. Oh, that's right. I like Shannon. You can be Shannon Sharp. Yeah, go. Um, Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I feel like this is Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzard. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. I don't know. This might be more – I can't tell. Whatever. <laughs> While I get you know, keeping your eye on the prize, I will, only, I will say this much. I think there's a way to multitask, number one, and kind of keeping things prioritized while still calling for accountability on people in your same community. I understand that. that are over. I get the whole like you didn't say anything, so you're you're obviously I, I understand that part. But like if you know someone who's proactively not you know playing both sides of the fence, I think there's a, you have enough bandwidth to call that out. No one is paying attention to people being like the dude selling and racism shirts and posting pictures with cops. No one doing that is being like, wait, what are we arguing about? Like they fucking got the they're still paying attention. That took no, fucking three minutes to fucking doctor a tweet. You know what I mean? Author a tweet. Listen, I I, I get that, but he, here's my counterpoint to that, which is I think the major failing of social media, and we could and I could argue certain ideologies, is that they place everything on the same same bandwidth. They 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 make everything, they make Adam Driver being canceled the same as something that is 
deadly serious. And I'm not suggesting that anybody in our listenership or in the world thought that George Floyd's murder and uh, Toby selling tacky pink sweatshirts uh, is of the same importance. Not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that it's a social media brain disease that we constantly are talking about things at high volume. And right now, I don't know if there's need to talk about anything else. Do you understand? Like, like, and actually let me defend talking about something else in the same breath, which is people still got to go to work. So if you, if you sell your ass and that's what you have to do to feed yourself and people are jumping on you saying, Hey, don't, not today, not today. Like it's too serious. Don't listen to them. You still have to go to work just because you have an irregular job, just because you, you sell foot picks or whatever the fuck you do. Don't, don't listen to people's like, yo, you can be serious about this matter and still feed your family. So I, I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm seeing people, uh, basically, Tom, here, here's my point with the Toby Morris thing. I'm not a Toby Morris apologist. It, I, I, I don't care I about don't. this. I'm just saying that I, I'm seeing the type of, okay, let me put it like this. Um, you, you know when a dog gets really panicked and doesn't know what's going on and they bite? but they're not trying they, they they their intention is not to kill you it's that there's they're overstimulated and there's just too much fucking going on people behave the same way when there's an overwhelmingly scary thing happening in the world they will turn on each other because it's it's there's something less scary in that there's something like it is some small comfort like listen dunking on toby morris would be a fun afternoon you know what I mean? But I'm saying like, yo, the ticky tacky shit is over. Leave it alone until we're like, somebody feels good about this circumstance. So I, yes, I understand a tweet takes 10 seconds. It doesn't consume anybody's life. I understand that. And I also understand that dunking on people when they do something fucking dumb is fun. And everybody needs to be a living human being even during this thing. I get it. But I just think that that circular firing squad when, when literally they're, uh, they're banging on the gates, uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just think that that circular, circular, circular firing squad is on its best day unhelpful, but when the barbarians are at the gates, knocking down your door, it's a complete waste of our time. Right. I get that. But I'm saying the whole point was that a friend of ours, a friend of mine was like kind of being like, before this all popped off was like, Hey, you gonna donate any of that money? Because hmm. literally everyone in the fucking country is donating their money. And dude was like looking into it, and then he started deleting shit. So then you know what? Then you open yourself up to be like, I don't know, man, that's not the move. You know, like that's the whole point. It wasn't like I'm gonna dunk on you because I can dunk on you. It was kind of like, yo, we kind of were just like, hey, you know what? Like you're selling these fucking ugly ass t-shirts for 45 bucks. Maybe throw five bucks to like a fucking cause. What's going on right now? Especially someone, you know, you love to say how much you love rap and, you know, all this fucking bullshit. Like, all right, so, you know what? Donate 300 bucks to someplace. Whatever the, you know what I mean? And I think that prefaced the whole, like, this wasn't like a dunking for dunking's sake. It was kind of like, you know, like Sean Kemp was like coming down the lane and had to like <laughs> dunk on somebody and like drop his nuts in the guy's face because, you know. And also, before, let's end this on a positive thing. Let's stop fucking talking about H2O. Come on. Jesus Christ. I would like to reiterate. My friend, look out for that. me like family. Ugh, you sound just like him. Um, 
Bob and I talked about it um, before, earlier, and I think it needs to be reiterated. No matter what you may be able to do, whether it be protest, whether it be whatever, or donate to the, to the myriad of places that are in need of help, whether it be bail funds, Black Lives Matter, all these different, there's so much stuff going on. Nothing is too little. You know what I mean? There's going to be folks that are having a fucking moment. You know what I mean? Our brothers in Mind Force, right? We love them more than anything. Best fucking dudes. And we're going to have Jay on at some point to kind of discuss this. But like, they put a shirt on, shirt out, it hit. They raise a fucking shit ton of money. Abuse of power raises a shit ton of money, right? If your band or your label or your fucking band camp, let, you know, raise 200 bucks, you know what? That 200 bucks will get somebody out of jail. Yeah. Furthermore, jail is not that expensive. And, and Tom, you could talk about, like, you know, we, we probably, my 20 minute uh, strident defense of Toby Morris and everything he has ever done probably. Uh, you really try to get drug charged on that fucking main support slot. God damn. <laughs> we just want to play Sao Paulo. Paul- Sao Paulo. We just want to play Sao Paulo with, with fucking H2O. I get it. I get it. That's what <laughs> more people are nice when they need, you know, they want him to headline something or fucking be play, you know, their band to be main support on. I get it. I see you. Here's okay. my point. <laughs> I took us off the rails. It may, it, we probably could have. Shockingly, shockingly enough. We probably could have used that time you explaining to people why bail is so important. But yeah, I mean, sure. We can, we can get back to that in a second. Uh, I, 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 Are you talking about Toby again? Cause I'm going to come to California beat the shit out of you in front of <laughs> I, I just want to say he has one hit. It's pretty good. No, what I want to say is, <laughs> what I want to say is, um, regarding the amount that you're capable of giving, uh, yeah. if mind force gives $10,000 and you're only able to give 300, well, Listen, don't feel like you, you, that you're not capable or some shit. Nobody thought your band was as big as Mind Force. You understand? Like, it, like there, there's no like. Mind Force didn't think that Mind Force. Was big Mind Force, yeah. You know, yeah. it just happened. So, and it's amazing. They're excited. Don't worry about it. Like, Drug Church put up a shirt. I, I won't even know. They'll just tell me how much it went. But if it made, if it cleared the cost and then I could make five bucks. I'd be pretty fucking satisfied. You know what I mean? So just whatever you can fucking do it is whatever you can do. And and let me put this too, because I want to connect this to some of the things that Patrick was saying, some of the things Tom said, some of the things we talked about before this. Give what you can, whether that's money, whether that's your time, whether that's um, things that you generate, your band, whatever. Or if you can't do those things, and there's people who are listening to this who can't, who don't have the extra 20 bucks, who don't have, you can talk about it. That's good. But maybe you're not that person. That's okay. I'm saying to people, this is also a good time to listen. And that might stir you to talk. But it's a good time to listen. And there's a lot of things out there a lot of resources. So, so do that stuff. Um, if anything, I think that a lot of people are attempting to educate themselves or, or learn or just get to know what the hell is going on. And, you know, uh, 
it's hard to say I'm hopeful. Um, I, I would like to be more hopeful than I am, but what I certainly am is trying to be hopeful that we'll see change. And, and that's all that I would ask of people is try to be hopeful and try to enact change within yourself because that's where it can start. So, um, uh, thank you everybody for joining us. Anything you guys got any other closing comments, anything else you want to touch on before we, we check out here? Kyle, you better put on another 30 pounds because we're shooting a fair one when you get back east. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I got my man. Uh, he, you know, he's part of Alleyway Crew. Uh, that's Toby. So he, here's the deal. Uh, <laughs> I got two other guys that might have a word with you if you want to go that route. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the, here's the deal. Um, we are going to uh, – I don't know what – listen, this is where I sound old. Uh, I, I don't know what the kids say. We're going to amplify your fucking shit. If, you, if we put yeah. out a call, people that are doing things that are positive, we're just going to use this week as an opportunity to fucking big up them. And yes. look, everybody, you don't need to feel guilty about buying a fucking shirt where the money all goes to something. It's all good, everybody. Do what the fuck you need to do. If you want to bypass the shirt and give directly to to uh, me, per- me personally, I find I find the bail relief to be uh, the most directly helpful. But the, but th- that's another thing: is you get to decide where your money goes and what you think is important and how you best think that you can enact change. So just take, like Bob says, take the fucking ten minutes. You know what I mean? Just look into what suits your sensibilities. I trust everybody in our listenership is a good enough person to have some aspect of this speak to them and mean, like, I think that this is the failure of charities, by the way, or or failures of of this type of conversation. Yo, not everybody is a, it, 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 it doesn't ring the same to everybody. And, but there is an aspect of most things that would make sense to you if you tried. So go look into it. If there's types of charities that make more sense to you than others, then give to those. But we're going to be doing our best to, to uh, big up all the hardcore, all the adjacent, and all the, basically anybody that sends us a valid fucking link to, to say, hey, here's the thing that you should make yourself aware of to our listenership, and, and uh, that's what we're going to do. And Tom, I, I totally squandered the fact that you have a law degree. We should have talked about why bail is so important. It's like, to me, it's the most important part of this conversation, but, uh, well, I mean, you could probably talk about it like while you're flying home. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so, I'm just kidding. I'll shut up. I'm just uh, so um, with the law degree. I'll just, you know what? I'll, you guys talk it out. I'm just going to be over here. Fucking. Why, why don't you, home. why don't you close this out, Tom? Take us home. Fuck Pat. there's bail reform going on before this and that took a fucking long time to get to but i think you'd be surprised like your three hundred dollars from from your band account whatever you can do if if every fucking band and every label put in 200 bucks you know how fucking you know how much we could help um and i think you know we had talked about we'll do that ourselves like as a podcast you know as but like no matter what it is it all adds up you know and folks aren't you know the the the, the folks that are getting arrested for like i mean the laws are diff- different in every state or whatever but some kind of obstruction or some kind of you know unlawful you know congr- whatever the fuck you know the for the most part 
the bails aren't onerous. They're onerous if you don't have the money, which is what the fucking right. point is. They're trying to fuck people that don't have money. But you know what? You know, if someone could give, you know, did a merch deal on on their fucking big cartel or, you know, or whatever, that 250 bucks is a fucking huge difference. A huge difference. You know what I mean? If it's 10 bucks, if it's 10,000 bucks, all of it counts. So, like, don't, you know, and, and like Bob was saying, you know, if you don't have money because it's fucking 40 million people are out at work right now. You know, and if you're for whatever reason, if you're you know you're you're got health concerns that you know we're also in the middle of a fucking pandemic, which you know, right? Yeah, filling the jail seems a little stupid. People, huh? Filling the jail seems stupid at this moment. I mean, doesn't it seem ridiculous? But I mean, I think people are kind of it kind of precludes those folks from taking part and being an active role, taking an active role if it's literally you know something that could really you know affect them. So like. You know, everyone's got their own kind of situation. Get in where you fit in, do whatever you can, whether it be just fucking signal boosting stuff, re- you know, reaching out to politicians or like sharing real articles mm-hmm. and real fucking news and not fucking ridiculous. Like, look at the goddamn, the, whatever comes after the dot means a lot. Yeah. Uh, that's a big, you know what I mean? Um, have, have the difficult conversation with your uncle. Or your aunt, or your mom, or your dad, or your brother, your sister, or the people in your lives who who uh, aren't on the same wavelength, who aren't thinking this is an issue. Um, I promise you, there is someone in your circle to to probably eighty percent of these listeners right now. Any eighty percent of people listening, there's someone. If you don't have time, money, anything else to give, there's somebody in your circle who you could say, "Hey, what you think." ain't the way you need to think about things a little differently. And that's, a, that's, a, that's a, yo, I don't, that's, 100%. that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's like a, and by the way, that, that's the equivalent of a thousand dollar donation to some shit to me. Like that's, that's a heavy fucking thing to do. So don't, right. don't underrate your ability to do things. Right. And there's some people that, you know what, are fucking, they believe what they believe and whatever, you know, but you'll have meaningful conversations with folks. And if you're able to kind of, Posit things in a certain way. They go, oh, like, um, all right, two last things, one last thing. As many as you need, buddy. All right, yeah, just I'm, I'm on one. I'm, I apologize. Um, you know, having this conversation, you know, like my mom, very liberal Irish Catholic lady, you know, and we were having this conversation, and I was like, you know, I, I always had this thought, like when I'm on like the train, you know, or like the subway coming home from work, whatever, and I see. You know, young black kid with with their family. You know, mother, father, sister, whatever. You know, them playing, everybody's laughing or whatever. In my head, invariably, I go, they're gonna have to fucking worry that that kid's not gonna come home one night for do no fault of his own. You know what I mean? And and I'm having this conversation with my mom, and I was like, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, believe me, I'm going to fucking, I'm 16, going to fucking CBGBs and like fucking hardcore shows of actual felons. You're like, and, you know, I was like, did you ever worry that I was not going to come home because the police were going to kill me? And she's like, no. And I was like, you might have been worried some drunk driver might have fucking killed me or, you know, something might have happened, you know, but like you never for a second thought of that, right? And she's like, no. And that's really the conversation you need to have because those, you know, black folks are living with that 
you know, in the back of their head or in the forefront. Right. Every fucking day of their lives. Like, could you imagine that being removed from your fucking thought process and not have to worry that like, you know, your son breaks down on the side of a fucking highway and can call 911 for help and not have to worry about getting fucking shot, like, or getting choked or, or someone coming into the wrong fucking house looking for someone who's not lived there for God knows how long and it was already in police custody. You know what I mean? I think to, to be able to remove that, you know, and, and I think, you know, and that's kind of where all of our privileges come from. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. you really have to consider that, that it's like that never crossed my mom's mind. We were in a, we lived in a tough neighborhood. Like I was out all fucking times and I going to fucking shows and shit like that. Not once was any kind of, you know, state run authority, a concern of hers. Right. We've gotten, we've gotten pulled over. We've gotten, you know, cops coming up with the lights, like not for a fucking half a second. Do we go like, if I reach wrong to this glove compartment to get the fucking registration, something may go wrong. Yeah, I'm shot. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, really? I mean, that's a conversation you can have with, with anybody and make it fucking tangible and kind of, you know, just think of, just think of that. That's that, that could be the starting point. Did you ever have to worry about one of your kids, you know, you know, kind of coming home from, from a situation, you know, and worrying, like having a, a copy of concern. And also to that point, and then I will really stop talking because it's supposed to be half an hour. Now it's 50 minutes, you know, the whole like, but not all cops thing, which I hear quite often. The way I kind of formulated this when I was talking to my mom and, you know, this may, may kind of hit home. Maybe it won't. It's the same way that we, you know, we look at men who act out and you're automatically, you're like, well, not all guys are like that. But you know what, though? It's the equivalent of like if I'm at a party and a friend of mine is acting untoward another person, most likely, you know, like a woman. Right. And I don't do anything. I'm no better than he is. So, you know, you might be the best fucking cop in the world that got, had all the right intentions and you've never done a goddamn thing to somebody. But if you stand idly by and let shit happen, you're no better. And I think that's the way to look at it. Which this moment is highlighting in, in uh, no uncertain terms. Uh, to, if we have any law enforcement, I assume that we must. Uh, law enforcement listeners, I... Uh, what Tom said, look, I don't expect you to fucking quit your job today. I know that life is fucking complex and like, it can't be the idealist shit that I'm able to spout from over here. That doesn't have any fucking kids and all this. I get it. Fuck whatever. But, uh, this notion that, uh, I've watched a number of police videos in the last few days from the last few days where officers acted like actual fucking deranged sociopaths and, the most reprimand they got in the moment, and I fear they'll get period, is another officer holding them back after a few fucking punches were thrown. So that's not the same as checking your person. Like, you got to check that dude. You know what I mean? And I, I don't think, so I'm not going to come to you with some fire and brimstone shit like you need to go in a parking lot and fucking write in your own blood that you're a pig and then shoot yourself in the head. I'm not doing some melodramatic kid shit. I'm just telling you that, hey, what Tom's saying is true. You can't be the guy hearing the rape and not see yourself as a rapist. It just is what it is. You can't be the guy that's watching 
some fucking Puerto Rican kid get his head split open and not feel like a racist. It, it, it just, there's good Samaritan laws. They should apply equally to you. Right. Yeah. Amen. All right. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Be safe out there. Yes, please.